Before we start this episode all about LinkedIn, I just want to share a little something for you. If you struggle with what to write whenever you're writing content, whether it's for social media, blog posts, or a podcast episode, or a lead magnet, if you struggle, then I've got something for you that will take away that thinking time. I've created a hundred content prompts that are specifically tailored to education business owners. You can grab your copy straight away using the link in the show notes. You get lifetime access. And if you are a Tutors Mastermind member, please remember that you get 50% off. So follow the link in your private learning space. Right, let's get into the episode. LinkedIn is such a valuable tool for any business, really. But education business owners, especially tutors, sometimes really struggle with knowing how to use LinkedIn, or they try using it in the same way that they use other social media platforms, but they don't see results and that kind of demotivates them. So I invited Alex to come along and talk all about LinkedIn and the best ways to use it. Alex is the CEO and founder of LearnCube, and he also is the host of the Get More Students podcast. So do go check him out. But if you want to know all about LinkedIn and if you would like some ideas specifically on how to use it as an education business owner, then you're going to love this discussion. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. So my name is Alex Asher. I'm the CEO of LearnCube. We help tutoring businesses, particularly with two main uh, solutions. One is a virtual classroom for tutors and tutoring agencies, and the other is an all-in-one tutoring solution, particularly for those boutique tutors that are wanting all of their operations centralized in one easy platform. And you also have a podcast yourself, don't you? Tell us a little bit about that. We do. So when we got started, particularly out of the pandemic, uh, you know, technology is one aspect that people want to solve. You know, they want to get their operations all streamlined and those sorts of things. But actually getting more students, uh, the marketing side of things was probably the number one and almost totally universal problem that our our prospects and customers had so we we started off with a weekly webinar we turned that into a monthly webinar but turned it into a podcast that we do uh bi-monthly and the get more students podcast has been running yeah for a good couple of years now very nice so i'm gonna dive straight in in your opinion and in your experience, using LinkedIn as an education business owner can be tricky because there are so many different types of owners. In your opinion, what type of business do you think LinkedIn is the best for? So LinkedIn is, what are people there for? They are there to build their network professionally. So that's the kind of the context behind every single post or connection request or message that you send out is that's why people are in there. So it makes sense if you are trying to yeah, build those connections with other people that are professionals. I would say that it's less likely to work for those whose target audience are not on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, and those will typically be people that aren't already in the workforce, because otherwise, why would you need a, a LinkedIn profile? Um, but, you know, you could imagine that there's uh, various 
even when you think of tutoring, there might be the buyer might be the parent and those parents may be professionals and those professionals will likely be on LinkedIn. So I think there's a real uh, breadth of who this can be relevant for, but it is particularly for those people trying to target as their kind of main buyer and decision maker, the you know, professionals, um, which could be anyone working in a school or it could be the parent of, of, of a tutoring um, child, for example. I mean, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you mentioned context, but LinkedIn is better if you're selling to another business or an organization or another professional for professional development. And I'm really glad you mentioned context because I think that that is actually the key for any social media platform. You have to think of what mindset someone is in when they're on that platform because they're on multiple platforms. Um, You quite rightly said that a lot of professionals are also parents, so you could connect with them. But one thing to bear in mind is that they've got their professional hat on when they're on LinkedIn, not necessarily their parent hat on. So, you know, that common advice of, you know, figure out where your target audience is hanging out. I often talk about how that's incomplete. It's where are they hanging out and in the right mindset. Totally agree. And so, again, when you're talking, um, yeah, those are two totally different discussions. Like you're not going to be wanting to, for example, put lots of kid pictures that might be totally relevant in a Facebook um, environment, but totally inappropriate in a LinkedIn environment. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to where this discussion goes. I know that you've got quite a broad audience here and we can kind of come up with some examples of, what might be appropriate in the context. Yeah. Well, something you mentioned there that I think is really interesting is this whole Facebook versus LinkedIn. You've got this kind of this an informal LinkedIn police, haven't you, who will commonly post on people's profile uh, on their content saying this is not Facebook. As a business, though, we're also told to show our personal lives, to you know tell these personal stories. Mm-hmm. So when you are when you're thinking about LinkedIn, what advice would you give of knowing how to distinguish whether is this appropriate for LinkedIn, even though I might be talking about something personal or does this belong on Facebook? Where, where is that line? I think a lot of the time it helps when you think of what what would you say in an in-person experience, right? So a lot of the time we kind of, for some reason, lo- lose all of our kind of context when we go online. If you were in a conference, what would you be talking to people about? Rather than on Facebook, if you were in a park or on the street or in a in a bar, that might be what you might be talking about on Facebook. Literally anything goes on on, on Facebook and maybe say Twitter and, and various other kind of uh, Instagrams, another kind of classic example, like mindset is totally different to how you're wanting to absorb content. Whereas if I'm in LinkedIn, I really do want to present, and there's a couple of kind of key ideas, which is about building credibility and trust. And so we talk about sort of vulnerability as this kind of showing your true self, as you say, that can that vulnerability builds trust. But it erodes trust in the wrong context, right? It's sort of, uh, remember with, I think with any of these platforms is about connection and connection is meeting people at the same place, at the, at the same context. And so if you're like, hey, baby photos, and they're like, what? <laughs> I'm in the middle of an accounting conference. It just feels totally out of place. And that's where that kind of informal LinkedIn police happens. And two things happen. Either people literally will pull you out and say, look, this is just totally not interesting. If you do it too much, they will literally unfollow you. So you kind of lose a lot of the benefits you have 
out of being uh, you know, posting on the platform. And I think it, it erodes trust because it shows that you're not in sync. You're not in the loop. You're not in the in-group in the LinkedIn context there. Yeah. Something you said that was uh, very valuable, I think, is thinking of it like an in-person experience. I think we do sometimes forget that when we're on social media. So if you were at a conference um, or any kind of business networking event and someone said something to you or someone said something interesting, you wouldn't just sit there silently. And that's what you, so, and the equivalent of having that conversation is commenting and replying to comments. So I think that's a really great tip, a great thing to remember uh, when it comes to any kind of digital marketing. It's, we're not just talking about LinkedIn or social media. We're talking about email marketing and, you know, blogging and everything. You, you're opening a discussion, you're starting a conversation and you're building relationships. Now, I do have a lot of tutors listening, and I know this might be a bit of a tricky question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, for tutors, we I know that LinkedIn may not be this kind of primary choice of platform. However, if they do want to use it, are there any innovative ways that they can use it to connect with parents who might be on there, but with their professional hat on or anyone else that you can think of as well? I can actually think of some really great um, partnership opportunities. Um, the kinds of people that might be, I mean, maybe there are people on the, like the teachers association as part of schools, for example, like how do you find and connect with those people? Maybe LinkedIn could be a way for you to kind of build up a network of influencers that may be influencing the decision around parents and be able to be in a position of uh, referral understanding your niche whether it's a geographical niche or whether it's a specialty niche if it's a specialty niche that can actually be really helpful again um, because if it's a specialty niche let's say um, you can actually use ways of uh, understanding if somebody say changed jobs or moved into the area that could be a really great way to use LinkedIn is to let's say that you know you know that your target market are generally parents that are in professions uh, maybe there's also a really big employer in your town. I mean, that would be, and you knew that, you know, you're going to have several hundred potential parents on that. Also for a lot of tutors, they don't need thousands of parents or clients. They're just looking for 20 or 30, maybe even less. And again, LinkedIn seems a fantastic way of being able to, to reach those people if you're quite sure on your target market um, and knowing where where they might be. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I think the biggest roadblock for an independent tutor is the fact that parents may not be in the right mindset to receive and respond to their content. But a couple of things you touched on that triggered my memory was one thing you mentioned was collaboration and building relationships and partnerships. One of my clients, she actually got a book deal. So she wasn't intending to get a book deal, but just writing about her tuition and the work she does and the students, she was approached by quite a big publisher whose name completely escapes me now. And they asked her whether she'd like to write a book. And she said, yes, of course. And she did. So you also don't know what kind of opportunities might arise. You you maybe didn't even plan for it. But another thing you mentioned was, you know, connecting with teachers and schools. I actually, that just reminded me how there's a specific teacher in a specific school. We just somehow got into a conversation. She now always refers students to me. In fact, she emailed me last week with three um, actually four, one of which I kind of passed on to my network. Um, and so she's obviously always getting these requests from parents or students who are looking for a tutor. So it's a, a really great thing that she's got a relationship with a tutor who she can recommend to. So yeah, I think building relationships is really key. And 
I think if you are a tutor who's using LinkedIn, maybe that should be your intention. Because as well as what we said earlier about choosing platforms based on your target audience's mindset, I think it's also important to be very intentional. So when I talk about using different social media platforms with my clients, I often first define what do you want out of this? And is it realistic you will get that out of this? And with LinkedIn, you may not get direct parent inquiries. However, you might get teachers who are interested in your discussion about your subject or education who might then refer students to you. Or you might get publishers or resource creators or whoever it might be with some opportunities that that come your way. And that can be a really useful way to expand your business or just build credibility and authority as a tutor in your niche. I think one thing that's overlooked, and it's the same reason that even LearnCube, we have a Facebook page. You know, we don't really put a lot of effort into our Facebook page, but we're there because if people are looking at LearnCube, they're going to like probably check out, hey, a couple of channels and just just double check that we're a legit business. I think LinkedIn is one of those same places. Like if I'm talking to someone, I'm almost sure that they're probably going to check out my LinkedIn, figure out if I'm, because the great thing about these social platforms is that they're quite hard to hack your past, right? So if you've been posting for several years, it's very hard to hack that. And so if you've got several years worth of content, you're kind of building up your social credibility profile. And I can imagine, for example, parents, you know, looking at a tutor's LinkedIn profile is to see, hey, is this a professional tutor? Did they actually do the teaching job that they said they did? Hey, wait a minute, on their LinkedIn, it looks like they're totally unprofessional. That's actually, I'm, I've got a red flag and maybe I won't go with that person. I love what you said on the next kind of tier, which is going from credibility alone as the kind of main goal to partnership building is, an, is another one for tutors particularly if you've got a specialty, let's say that you focus on dyslexia. This would be a great way for you to get more business is not necessarily going after parents at all, but simply to go after every tutor that's in your, start off with your local area. You don't know who they are, but you probably find them on LinkedIn, like looking for tutors, looking by, by kind of location, reaching out to those tutors and saying, hey, I've got clients that I can refer to you that aren't dyslexia based. Can you send me clients that come to you with dyslexia questions and then you've got a referral network so maybe your linkedin maybe if you had a hundred referral partners i mean wouldn't that be brilliant <laughs> yeah. um, and particularly if you're online with a specialty those don't even have to be within the same geographical area because your specialty means you might be able to tutor online with those particular referrals yeah and keeping yourself open to relationships and opportunities is applicable to anyone really not just tutors any education business because we don't know how those connections will come into fruition like you and I I think I came across you on qualified tutors during the love tutoring festival you and I had never spoken um and then I think I came across your podcast I think someone shared it on LinkedIn I knew it existed at the back of my mind but it just reminded me I then checked you out I messaged you on LinkedIn and here we are recording an episode together and we've got plans for me to be on yours and you know, I never knew that was going to happen. But if you keep yourself open to it and you message people, then it happens. And actually, before this episode, Alex and I had already we've already had a conversation. We already jumped on Zoom and had a conversation. Um, so, you, yeah, you really don't know how it's going to work. And something you said 
is such a good point is that LinkedIn gives you professional credibility because that's where you do have your work experience or you should be recording it. And that links quite nicely, actually, onto my next question about what tips do you have for people to optimize the results they get from LinkedIn? Because I think one of them is to have your professional history, but to also do it slightly strategically, because I've done quite a lot of things in my past. Um, you know, I'm a qualified copywriter, but that's not something that I'm putting on there because I'm not teaching copywriting or I'm not going for copywriting jobs. So you almost want to use your professional history to add the weight and credibility that you want to create that's really aligned with the results you want from LinkedIn. Um, would you would you agree? And what other tips do you have? I think understanding the power of your profile is really, it's probably it's step number one, right? Like if you do nothing else, ensure you have a professional profile that if somebody checks you out, they're going to walk away thinking, hey, this person is up another couple of points in my view. And the profile is broken down to a number of areas, um, but people fail, quite honestly, miserably in the first <laughs> step. Uh, I've seen countless teachers have either no professional profile or one of those terrible avatars with a terrible kind of template kind of picture, three connections. Immediately, I'm like, I don't, it doesn't even work as a, oh, they're probably not spending much time on their profile. It, it actually looks unprofessional because there's, I think, for a lot of people, an expectation uh, that somebody will have a professional profile that tells them about, about the actual uh, the service they offer. The thing I would nuance, though, is that people are not looking for a CV. And I think this is the big, an, another big area that people fall down. They treat a, the LinkedIn profile as a CV so that somebody that's looking to hire them in the next job may do that. Forget about that. Particularly if you, if your business is tutoring and you want to sell tutoring and LinkedIn is a, an area that you think people are going to go to, this is your sales page. This is your website in a way, it, your professional website. And so I treat it like that. And so everything is about talking to your prospect in your LinkedIn profile rather than talking to your potential next employer. If you want to get a, a job and that's your main livelihood and you want LinkedIn to be optimized for that, fair enough. Talk to that employer. But most of us that are trying to build a business in tutoring, your business is selling you tutoring services. So your LinkedIn needs to help you do that. I can talk through, uh, if you'd like, Samantha, just also the kind of key kind of segments of your LinkedIn profile to watch and what you can do to improve your chances. I think that's really useful. Yeah. I mean, I've made some notes actually as you're speaking because you've you've dropped some real gems there. Um, but yeah, I think that's useful. I think, you know, there's a there's a lot of options, isn't there, on your LinkedIn profile. So maybe if you could highlight the key areas that really need to be complete that you should really optimize, I think people would find that really useful. Again, I feel that teachers accidentally do a really bad job at this because they they focus on the thing that's the easiest to do and satisfies the cv part they put in their education first and it's very boring <laughs> it's very matter of fact and actually does them no real favors the place to start is the above the fold part of linkedin now what does that involve when i go to linkedin my first thing is i'm looking for faces that's why i'm there i'm looking for other human beings and so your profile picture is incredibly important I know that there's some people that don't want to show their face. I feel that faces are hugely helpful in building trust. And LinkedIn, it's your own profile shot. So you have 100% control over what that profile shot looks like. But I think people do a real disservice in choosing a really bad photo on that. 
just as if I met you in person. If you were looking down, you know, hardly looking at the camera, I mean, is that my first impression of you? Immediately, I'm losing trust, just as I would if I was in, in a conference and you were walking beside me and just not looking at me. So profile picture, get that right. It has to be in a square form because that looks really nice on the page and make sure it's close enough up. I, again, I do feel it does a massive disservice, just like I would in an in-person conference. Seeing somebody at a distance, that's not helping me understand what you're like as a person. The second biggest part is the basically that top banner. It's often really underutilized. A lot of the time I see people put landscape views that have no context for me whatsoever. As a potential prospect, I get no real information other than you like this particular landscape. Instead, I think you can use this to show what you're selling, right? Which could be you with maybe a student. That would be a great thing. Already I'm like, oh, I've got, it's even better than meeting in person because I've got your face plus a good example. I'm visualizing myself working with you already on that profile picture. Don't be afraid in the banner as well. And you can use a free tool like Canva to make it look nice and you can get the dimensions right. Even I think it'll tell you what the dimensions are best for that banner. But put a little bit of text about who you serve. You know, particularly if you've got a specialty or you know, always have a niche. So even, even if it's regional, tell people where you are and what you tutor. Ideally, what makes you different would be a great one. But make it so that immediately I'm like, yeah, I know you're this, I know you do this, and I know how you do this. Already, I've got a great experience with you. I do think connections matter. If you've only got three connections, it's not hard. Get 100. I really think it's important to have at least enough to show that you are a real person. Uh, and it's not hard because, you know, that's what LinkedIn's about. It makes it easy for you to get your first 100. And it just gives some kind of credibility to it. Uh, I would then look at your about section. Um, a lot of people leave this again, telling the employer what they do, rather than really talking to the prospect, how do I help people? And I think that's another key area that you can uh, really support your sales option. And if, you're, if you think that LinkedIn is, is you selling to other businesses, orientate your about page to selling to that particular prospect. If you don't think, even though you sell to parents, but you don't think parents are the ones that are going to be buying a service on LinkedIn, but you think that schools would be or partners would be, use your about page to explain how you work with schools, how you help people and, and the kinds of, uh, ideally, the kinds of experiences they can expect that are quite unique to you. Yeah. And one thing, though, I was a bit surprised you didn't mention is the headline. Because, you know, the bit that goes under your name, I would say probably that's another really important aspect. Because when you're posting, when you're writing comments on other people's posts and their network is seeing it, that's the first thing they see. They won't actually go on your profile unless that grabs them in the first place. Um, so probably I would add the headline to you there. Now, you have mentioned so many brilliant, brilliant tips. Can I um, just wait on that one? Yeah, I think of course. Yeah. That, that totally an oversight on my behalf and totally <laughs> well, okay. well bringing that up. I, I would highly recommend you not just to put whatever you are. Mm -hmm, I agree. You don't have to write tutor, teacher, whatever it is. You can write anything there. Mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend that you use that headline not to say what you are, but who and how you help. So it could be, in my in my case, it's so like helping tutoring business and language business or something like that. And it could be something else for these tutoring businesses. You know, I help um, 
people with dyslexia get confidence and, and and pass their exams, whatever that might be. But use that as a, as you say, a perfect opportunity to tell people how you help. I completely agree. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't have to be your your job title. In fact, it shouldn't be your job title. Um, and, you know, you talked about the power of the profile. You quite rightly said that unless you are using this to find a job, you know, for an employer to contact you, it's not about you, actually. Even though it says it's about you, it's not about you. It's about the people who are reading it. Um, and you said about how, you know, a lot of people are very quick to, you know, just put their education on there. And, um, you know, that doesn't really add personality. It's, you know, when you're writing anything, any form of marketing, you put your benefits front and center and your education is kind of a feature. I'm a qualified teacher. Tell someone that I took, I, I did it for a year or two years. It doesn't tell them why I'd be a good tutor or a good educator or a good whatever for whoever's looking at that. Um, and do you know what? One thing I, a friend of mine comes to mind, even if you're not active on on LinkedIn, even if you don't post on LinkedIn, having this vibrant profile still works. There's, I've got this friend who I knew from my business training days, and she gets one after another employers contact her for contract jobs purely because she her, her profile is so good. She never posts on LinkedIn. She really doesn't. Perhaps the last year she did it was about time she did it was maybe five years ago but having that vibrancy at least gives people an impression it, it makes them understand a little bit about your personality and and why they might want to get in touch with you um I think that's everything I wrote while you were speaking I made loads of notes because you, you you raised such interesting things another thing I just want to highlight is you said not to use it as a CV unless of course you are applying for a job so let's say you're a tutor looking for agencies or whatever it might be that's fair enough but it's not a CV. I really like how you framed it as a sales page. It's your landing page. So in a way, it's kind of, it's the sales page that's selling you. Not necessarily what you're offering, but definitely you. Um, so I love that. So many great tips. Um, now, I'm just going to ask you a couple of the really common questions that crop up about using LinkedIn. So it's going to be a little bit of a quick fire, possibly. My first question is, does long content, long form content work better? Short form content, combination? What's your opinion? What's your experience? It really depends who you're talking to, right? So what's the context of the audience? So you have to know your buyer persona, who you expect to be coming through LinkedIn in order to answer that question. I've always found with content, whether I'm doing my email marketing or content marketing or blog writing or whatever, it can be as long as it needs to be to be able to satisfy the audience reading that. So if what you need to say is only a sentence long, but it's totally on point, that's great. If you actually think that what people are looking for is a really in-depth deep dive into a particular subject, write that and don't worry about the word limit, go for it. Uh, so I don't think you have to worry about the length, more you have to worry about what is the problem that the reader is wanting solved and then really kind of digging into, hey, am I, adding value to this person or am I just adding noise and and I guess probably the thing I would say is sometimes when you write a really long form post but you do, it's it's like you don't edit it well you know that's not doing somebody a service now they're having to search through your content and somehow come up way with some value so I don't think there's a strong point but I often hear that sort of variety is a really good good idea and definitely to mix at least some long form into your post one thing I do know is that visuals are incredibly powerful on LinkedIn. Again, mix them up. 
but generally people lo are looking for imagery you know that's what makes the feed you know what's it pop out of the feed so so use some visuals there in your linkedin profile as well to make sure that there's something visually interesting there well that's interesting you mentioned visuals i was going to come on to that next because my opinion is slightly different just based on my own experience but you know something you said about the long form short form content you know when it comes to marketing everything works and nothing works you kind of have to experiment something that might land for my audience may not land for yours even if we do exactly the same thing and you quite rightly said that the quality of your content the quality of your messaging is really what comes first so i would say to anyone who's not sure is to just experiment you also said about really targeting pain points and i think that's important but on on, on platforms like LinkedIn, where it's more networking rather than selling, I would say also show your insights, show your thoughts, show um, how, you know, something really interesting might be happening in your industry or your niche and your opinion about that. People like having those professional discussions. Um, you mentioned about visuals. So with, in my experience, both with myself and I've, we've tried this with a lot of clients, Visuals don't always work so well on LinkedIn. I think you have to be judicious about that. What I find is if I feel like I need a visual, so for example, this morning I went live in my Facebook group and I did provide a little screenshot of me going live and I felt like that was appropriate, but actually some of my best performing content has zero visuals, doesn't have any. So I don't necessarily think that you need a visual with every single piece of content, but Again, you, you just have to experiment. You might find that your audience really love that. And when you don't have a visual, they don't really respond. You just have to try different things out, right? What I love about that comment is it's up to the person listening here to experiment. Yeah. I can't say that this is going to work just as you can't. But the great thing is that there's a way of experimenting with that. Try exactly the same content, maybe even a week apart, one with con you know, one with an image and one without. What I can say, though, is a really bad image or an unhelpful visual is definitely not going to do you any favors as well. So just adding visual for visual sake, not going to help. Yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, on the, on the subject of visuals, sometimes people use it to inform, whereas the purpose of a visual really is to stop someone's scroll, is to get them interesting or to add something to your content. So sometimes I, you know, it really hurts my eyes almost when I see a visual that's just got so much text and so much information that it's it's overload so I don't even bother reading it so you know I think we need to think of a visual like with everything what's its purpose for this post does it have a strong purpose if it doesn't don't include one if it does then do because it adds adds value to what you're already talking about and and one more question I wanted to ask about this was polls. Polls are this kind of new-ish ish feature that a lot of people are using although it seems to have died down a little bit um, what's what's your experience? I'm quite mixed about it. What's your experience and advice about using polls on LinkedIn? I mean, these are all, again, experiments. One thing I can tell you is doing a poll every single time is not a good idea. I agree. Again, when we think about it, I don't want somebody that their only thing that I get from them is another question. Uh, I think the polls that tend to work the best are ones that are more controversial. And one of the things I like about these polls that are more controversial is your now, please don't push something that's literally horrible. I can only think of Donald Trump right now saying, just ask him questions. <laughs> don't do that. But there is an aspect of like, I don't know the answer. I would love to know what my, what my network thinks about this particular topic. Uh, and that way you can actually raise something quite controversial. Use poll to 
get the conversation started because what you'll often see is that people will have some have the different kind of options but you'll see a lot of comments because it's like i i, I put in my answer but actually my comment is that it's more nuanced to this and they'll mm -hmm. often put a comment and comments and likes particularly comments are the life fluid of your linkedin post so particularly um and that's why also one technique with linkedin is to have some friendly relationship professional re uh, relationships on linkedin because when you post something this the faster somebody can comment not just like but ideally comment on your um your post the more linkedin likes it the more it kind of shows up um to other people and if you've got 50 other allies that you comment on their stuff and they comment on yours you know that's gonna put you in a much uh, higher chance of being able to get more of your content out there yeah commenting is a really powerful and underused marketing strategy on social media in general actually because you know when you comment on someone else's content and when I say comment you know don't comment for the sake of it you know I would comment with something if you really have something to say but when you comment people in their network are seeing it you're starting a conversation and they're also more likely to reciprocate. That's just kind of human behavior. You're on their radar. And so when someone comments on your content, that's signaling to LinkedIn, people are finding this useful. So let me show it to some more people. So commenting is definitely, definitely really powerful. And with polls, um, I really like what you said, uh, the idea that you shared actually um, about maybe choosing something that does have, that is nuanced so that, yeah, you can give people options and they, they feel compelled to take part but they also want to have a conversation about it. And something I would just add to that is be intentional. I think it's important to be intentional because when you write a poll, rather than just seeing it as a, an easy and quick way to get engagement, well, if, if there's nothing, there's no intention behind it, well, it stops there. What are you going to do with engagement? Whereas if you think I'm going to use this as some kind of market research, or I'm going to use some of these answers to write my next social media post. Sometimes what I've done is I've done a poll but I've talked about the results on Instagram, on somewhere else. So I've kind of cross-pollinated a little bit. Um, so maybe you want to use for use it for research. Something I want to ask you about polls, though, I'm a bit mixed about this, is that some people use polls to find people's opinions, but then they message those people directly to then, you know, sell them something or whatever. Now, I don't know how I feel about that. I think that if someone kept doing that, I would be reluctant to actually vote in their poll. But at the same time, well, sometimes I think it can be really useful because if someone's expressed that interest, maybe they are interested in working with you. So I'm I'm a bit mixed. I don't really know what the advice here is. What do you think? I think it sort of goes back to what are the kind of, what are the, the rules of the game, right? So the rules of the game in LinkedIn is that we are here to network. Not It's not a marketplace, right? So I'm not here... I'm not joining in so that you can target me more efficiently with your sale, you know, with your products. And people will get really hot on that. So if you're immediately trying to sell something straight off, for example, an invitation, same problem. I think it's the same, it goes exactly the same way, right? So completely cold. I send you an invite. Hey, I'd love to catch up with you. You know, we help language and tutoring businesses like you and know, we're leaders. Let's connect. And then the next thing I do is say, Hey, would you like my virtual classroom? Yeah. Not going to, not going to fly well. Same thing with tutoring. And then same thing with commenting, right? Like if I've never met you and I'm suddenly kind of spouting my thing, that would really irritate you because you're like, wait a minute, I feel like you've misused what I was in this for. Whereas if you sent a message to maybe afterwards say, by the way, I really loved your comment about this particular topic. And maybe I'd love to, 
did you have anything else you'd like to you know how would you answer this question that you could have a conversation and just like you would in a conference you would then have a conversation one thing might lead to another and hey maybe there's a fit after that so i think it's really about you know where they are and how well they know you that you can kind of bring in the the more like hey is it worth us having a a conversation about whether there's a fit between us yeah 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 because i mean you said you know it's not a marketplace it's it's a networking tool it's a social network but then it kind of is a marketplace in that as a business owner i don't want to just sit there net and network i need i need to get results otherwise this is just a really time consuming hobby but when you are networking those sales are relationships led they're led by the relationships you have as opposed to being led by the sales pitch and i suppose that's really the fundamental difference something you mentioned about um writing a comment to then sell what you're doing you know that's that is really key actually i've written posts in the past someone has swooped in in the comments they haven't actually commented on my contact content sorry they've instead written this really tasteless comment to sell what they want to sell which is really odd i leave it there i never delete comments because actually um you know um, let them if that's the impression they want to create that's the impression they want to create so you know when you are commenting I think it's really really important to be authentic genuine and you're commenting because you genuinely found what they've said interesting and you want to join in the discussion I I very much liked your tip about contacting people though privately because it can be intrusive and if whereas if you've opened a discussion through something like a poll or even a post and then you refer to their comment just to open that discussion, just to take it further. It That's networking, isn't it? You are translating what you would do in person digitally. And all of this sounds very time consuming, but firstly, it doesn't have to be. But secondly, if you're serious about getting the results off a platform, you do need to invest a little bit of time to get that momentum going. It doesn't have to be daily, but you do need to invest a little bit of time. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think of um this about you know the the idea of fishing and hunting right so the getting your mark your profiles right that we were talking about before your posts even using those in featured posts on your profile all that kind of stuff is fishing right i'm putting out my my bait and seeing if people kind of gravitate towards me and hunting is a different kind of thing and so linkedin can be uh a different you know again it's it's it sounds like a nasty term but that's literally how you may even kind of consider it is you're actually looking, searching for certain types of people. And when you find them, then again, instead of um, trying to hunt them down with sales copy, you're trying to uh, lure them in with you know, uh, more relationships, more trust building until you can actually get to a point of trust that you can discuss your product and services. Um, so when you're, um, yeah, I, I would kind of use that as a good way of figuring out how do I use comments and how do I use my time on there? So some of your time might be about the fishing aspect, making myself look more attractive and, and credible. And the other part might be hunting. Like this is my group. of I want to have at least 100 people that I'm constantly looking at their feeds, seeing if there are ways that I can add value to their comments. Uh, one thing I often will do is if they're on the, my kind of hit list in terms of who I want to build these relationships with, if they post something, I will look at it, I will read it, I will quickly skim through it and see if there's something that I can pull out that's valuable and say, hey, I love what you wrote here, but not just generally, I love you how you said this. And I feel that adds value to their post, it shows you've actually listened to their content 
And now I'm kind of one step up in terms of like, hey, this person has helped me send my content to more people. They've added value, showed that this uh, this post is useful, and now I have a positive experience with this uh, with this person. I at least know their name as well. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, with the fishing kind of analogy, I suppose what you're doing is you're just casting your net a little wider. You know, you're just getting in front of more eyes. You're building relationships with people who you may not meet very naturally through your business. And that's probably, I would say, the exciting part of it is when you do start having conversations and you see where they end up leading. That's probably, for me, one of the most exciting things that happens on any social media platform, which is why I I try and keep myself really open to speaking to people. Um, And let's just see where the conversation goes. There doesn't have to be an agenda or an end outcome um, or a desired outcome to that conversation. Um, Alex, thank you so much for your time today. You've shared so much. You've been really, really generous with your knowledge. Uh, where's the best place for people to find you? This is just to go to our website, www.learncube.com. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. So I hope that I can help more people uh, in the same way today. I hope you got lots of ideas from this discussion. I just want to summarise a few of the highlights so that you can go away and actually take some action. The first thing we talked about was how LinkedIn is really good as a professional networking tool. So it's great for business owners. But as a tutor, you might need to be a little bit innovative about how you use it. So instead of using it like other platforms where you're trying to get students, maybe it's the place where you open yourself up to partnerships and collaborations and relationships because you don't know where they'll go. We also talked about how Treat treating LinkedIn like it's an in-person networking event is really useful. And actually, that's a really good principle to follow on any social network. You know, behave in the way that you would behave in person. We also talked about a few tips to optimize LinkedIn. And one of the key things that both Alex and I agreed with is that your profile needs to kind of be your landing page. You're selling yourself in a lot of ways. So make sure that it's complete. Use that headline to really quickly tell people who you help, what it is that you do, and try and steer away from using the headline as your job title. The headline is the bit that shows underneath your picture. And it's useful because not only does it show up when you post, but it shows up on comments. So imagine you'd written a comment, someone's really interested in what you said. The first thing they'll see is your picture and your headline. And based on that, they will make the decision as to whether to check your profile out. We also talked about, you know, the importance of experimenting. Try long content, try shorter content, try visuals, try without visuals. It's all one big experiment. I always say to people that, you know, everything works and nothing works when it comes to marketing. And I talked about that in our discussion as well. So try things out and just see how it goes. Because remember, on social media, every single time you post, you have a fresh chance. So just because you posted something and it didn't quite work, that's fine. It's not going to damage any future results. So please go away and just make sure that your profile is optimized. Re-listen to that little section where we talked about that and you'll hear from me next week. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas you can tailor to your education business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes or visit www.upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com.